What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are diving into a very misunderstood topic and that is thyroid health 101. So your thyroid has a major role in regulating your metabolism. So it often becomes a scapegoat many times when someone has a hard time losing weight. But really your thyroid is much more than just a thing that sits in your body and is either working or not slash on or off. It's integrated into your body in a major way. And really as crazy as it is, we have thyroid receptor sites in every single cell in our bodies. So as you've probably guessed, thyroid can be a complicated topic. And again, it's very misunderstood. So the goal of today's episode is here to simplify thyroid function, teach you what you need to know, and really how you can support the health of your thyroid. So with that said, let's dive right in. So first, we need to have a conversation about what the thyroid actually is. So your thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped gland that sits in the front of your neck and regulates metabolism in response to inputs like stress, activity, and energy availability, basically food intake and body fat. Now, because the thyroid is the main metabolism regulator, if it isn't healthy, you're more likely to struggle with weight gain or loss that is difficult to control. So your thyroid is always releasing a steady amount of thyroid hormone into the bloodstream. At times, it senses it may need to increase output, like when you're cold, growing, or pregnant. Now, when the thyroid is healthy, it regulates processes in our body like hormone balance, metabolism, and protein synthesis by producing T3 and T4 hormones. Now, a region of your brain called the hypothalamus releases thyrotropin-releasing hormone aka TRH, which tells the pituitary gland to release thyroid-stimulating hormone TSH, which tells your thyroid how much T4 to produce. Now, when T3 and T4 hormone increase, basal metabolic rate, aka BMR, goes up. When this happens, the heart rate increases, liver and muscle glycogen is used quicker, and in children, this is actually part of the process that stimulates organ and bone growth. Now, thyroid also indirectly controls testosterone production and ovarian function because the ovarian cells in women and the laid egg cells in men have thyroid receptor cells on them. Now, T4 must be converted to T3, aka our active thyroid hormone, by enzymatic action. So this happens in the liver and gut and can be influenced by cumulative stress. Stress can come from any number of sources, including lack of sleep, poor nutrition, overtraining, and more. Now, if the allostatic load, aka the total of all stressors that you're experiencing is too high, or you are taking certain medications or have excessive inflammation, this can disrupt the conversion of T4 to T3, which can in turn disrupt the production of testosterone or ovulation. Now, thyroid hormone production controls the amount of adenosine triphosphate, aka ATP, that is used as fuel. Thyroid hormone can increase or decrease the amount of fuel used based on the amount of output. So let's take a look at two of the most common issues with thyroid health associated with the output of thyroid hormone being hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. Starting off with hypothyroidism. So hypothyroidism means you have an underactive thyroid. And this condition affects about 5% of Americans or about 10 million people and is more common in women. 
about one in eight women are affected by hypothyroidism. And anecdotally, we've worked with quite a few female clients with hypothyroidism. And I don't believe that I've ever worked with a male client, nor has Coach Andrea, that I, to my knowledge, who has that hypothyroidism. Now, some side effects of hypothyroidism include weight gain, feeling cold, slow digestion, meaning constipation, bloating, etc., dry hair and skin, slowed heart rate, and infertility. And we have a few most common causes of hypothyroidism. First, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So this is an autoimmune condition where your immune system is overactive and attacks your thyroid, which causes it to lower its output. Next, we have hyperthyroid treatment. So basically what this means is hyperthyroidism is basically an overactive thyroid. So here we're treating an overactive thyroid, which can permanently lower thyroid output actually causing hypothyroidism. Next, we have thyroid removal. If you have to have your entire thyroid gland removed, it will of course cause hypothyroidism, radiation, and various medications. Now on the flip side, we have hyperthyroidism. Now again, hyperthyroidism means you have an overactive thyroid. With hyperthyroidism, you produce too much T4, T3, or both. Now, hyperthyroidism is much less common than hypothyroidism, and symptoms of hyperthyroidism include a swollen or enlarged thyroid, a high heart rate, unexplained weight loss, muscle wasting and weakness, anxiety, hair loss, restlessness, and difficulty sleeping. And some common causes of hypothyroidism include thyroiditis, which is inflammation of the thyroid, Graves' disease, and too much iodine. So now that you have a general idea of the most common thyroid issues, let's dive into how to keep your thyroid healthy. Really keeping your thyroid happy and healthy will in turn keep your metabolic rate at a good level, help your organs function properly, keep skin and tissues healthy, and put you in an ideal hormonal environment to lose fat and build muscle, which is really what we all want. So key number one to a healthy thyroid is managing stress. Now, as mentioned above, allostatic load can affect conversion, aka the total uh, stress amount of stress that you're under, can affect conversion of T4 to T3. So keeping stress under control can optimize thyroid output. You can think of stress as draining or charging your battery. You can focus on decreasing the drain on your battery, aka decreasing stress inputs, or charging your battery, stress relieving activity, or a combination of both. And to my knowledge, Sam Miller deserves credit for this concept of drains and charges. Shout out to Sam Miller, he's been on the show a couple times. Very smart dude. So some examples of ways to charge your battery could be spending time in nature, which has actually been shown to lower cortisol, which is a stress hormone, and can straight up just be very relaxing. Um, go for a walk. You can make it a slow, relaxed walk, um, probably not a power walk. And of course, we can combine this with being in nature and do something like going on a hike. Now, speaking of going on a hike, if you can look at the horizon, that big panoramic view has also actually been shown to decrease cortisol. Whereas looking at screens seems to have the opposite effect. You can get a massage, do some deep breathing, reading or journaling, or even have sex. Now, some examples of drains to try to decrease would be things like financial worries, poor relationship management, stimulant overuse, overdoing intense exercise, aka HIIT classes, endurance exercise, or excessive cardio, 
and trying to avoid worldwide pandemics. Now, maybe you can't do much about some of these, but you can definitely increase your battery charges to help even things out. And you can add some things to reduce the load of stressors. Um, some examples from Precision Nutrition that we love to share with our online cl clients include things like talking to a therapist, limiting exposure to the news, putting, putting your worrying in a time box. So, okay, this is my specific time I'm gonna allow myself for wor to worry. If worry comes up at any other time during the day, like, hey, I'm just gonna save that for later. I can still do it, I'm just gonna save it for the specific like 15 minutes. Actually surprisingly helpful. Um, outsource chores, time box social media, really just focusing on getting better at setting boundaries automating less important decisions, and even audit in your life. What are the chronic stressors? And is there any way you can quote unquote, break up with these? And this is really like one of probably the most common conversations that we have with online clients where chronic stress is a massive issue because it's way too easy, I would say as well, to try to put a bandaid on things rather than actual de actually dealing with like the significant source of stress. I'm trying to supplement with like, hey, I'm gonna take ashwagandha and all these different supplements and these will help me manage my stress. When it's actually, we need to, we could better manage the source of this and this would be much more helpful. So really using some of these tactics can reduce your allostatic load and decrease the risk of stress affecting your health or your thyroid. Healthy thyroid key number two is simply maintaining a healthy diet because you can eat in a way that supports your thyroid health. Like any other gland, organ, or process in your body, it needs the right macro and micronutrients to thrive. In some cases, it can be hard to get enough of these in your diet, and you may consider supplementing. So, some nutrients that are especially important for thyroid health. First, we have iodine. So iodine is a major building block of both T3 and T4, and it isn't produced by our bodies, so it needs to be found in the diet. Many people who switch to a healthy whole foods diet will also cut out regular salt in favor of sea salt. Um, this is a fine switch, but it also cuts out iodine. So you may consider using regular iodized salt on occasion or using iodized sea salt or iodized Himalayan salt. That way you're not missing out on iodine. Another good source of iodine is kelp and seaweed. Now, if you're not living on the bottom of the ocean floor, don't worry, um, most grocery stores have seaweed snacks that can supply a good amount of iodine. And this is actually interesting because if you start looking at the salts, um, probably as a listener of this podcast, most people are already, I'm guessing, using like uh, sea salt or a pink Himalayan sea salt. Um, and it's very, is it pink Himalayan sea salt or just pink Himalayan salt? I'm not sure on that one actually. But... Um, Either way, it's interesting to like, I remember when I started looking at this and like, it's actually a little bit harder than you would expect to get iodized salt, which again is an essential nutrient. So I would definitely, I think the easiest swap here is probably just going to be transitioning to like, okay, I'm gonna intentionally buy iodized salt because if not, it's more than likely you're probably getting a non-iodized version. Now from there, we have vitamin D. Now it's hard to, to get enough sunshine if you live in a warm climate, let alone if you are in a northern state or have to work inside. If getting in the sun for a long stretch of time daily and in a tank top or shorts or shirtless isn't realistic, you may need to supplement with vitamin D. Now, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, meaning it can accumulate, so it's a good idea to get a blood test to see where you're at before you supplement. 
Your daily supplement needs can vary widely from 1,000 up to 10,000 IUs to get your levels up to where they may need to be. And this is definitely one where I would likely recommend a blood test. Now from there, we have magnesium. Most people are deficient in magnesium, so a daily magnesium supplement may be helpful. There are many forms of magnesium with varying levels of absorbability, so I would recommend magnesium glycinate or a combination of different forms of magnesium. In most instances, if you go find magnesium in the grocery store, it'll be magnesium oxide, which doesn't have very good absorbability, so be aware of what type you're picking up. And again, I would recommend just grabbing a magnesium glycinate off of Amazon if you do determine that this is something that you're deficient in. Next, we have zinc. Now, zinc can be found in meat, shellfish, nuts, seeds, and grains. This one may be a little bit easier to get through food. Having enough zinc will not only keep your thyroid healthy, but it's very important for your immune system as well. So make sure you're getting enough. From there, we have selenium. You can get enough selenium for the, for the day from one Brazil nut. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't eat many Brazil nuts. So it's also found in fish and meat. We have iron. You can find heme iron in red meat and liver and non-heme iron in nuts, beans, spinach, and soy. Now, heme iron is more easily absorbed, so vegans may need to supplement. For women that are still menstruating, you may also need to supplement since you are bleeding monthly. Iron can be overdosed as well, so do be sure to have your blood levels checked to make sure you're supplementing appropriately. Also, calcium and tannins can inhibit iron absorption, so having dairy or tea can help keep you from absorbing your iron. Vitamin C can enhance absorption, so taking them together can actually help. We have vitamin A. Sources of vitamin A include cod liver oil orange and yellow produce, eggs, and green leafy vegetables. And then finally, we have essential fatty acids. Now, unless you're eating fatty fish a couple times per week, you probably need to supplement. Look for a fish oil or cod liver oil or algae oil for vegans with 70% or more of total omega-3s as EPA and DHA. So basically, when you look at the label, it'll say something like, fish oil blend and let's say it says a thousand milligrams and epa plus e dha combined makes up 700 milligrams of that okay cool we have a solid product here on the flip side if it's a thousand milligrams and epa plus dha combined only makes up 350 milligrams of that okay we probably need to look elsewhere from there healthy thyroid key number three is going to be gut liver and kidney health so aside from maintaining an overall healthy diet, you need to make sure you have good gut health and good liver and kidney health. The liver and kidneys are sites for T4 to T3 conversion, and T3 sulfate and T3 acetic acid are converted to active T3 by gut bacteria. The good news is maintaining good gut, liver, and kidney health requires the same principles as a typical quote-unquote healthy diet recommendation. Now, the cool thing is eating this way and supporting your gut health will also benefit your immune system and help prevent the autoimmune condition Hashimoto's that is the most common cause of hypothyroidism. Now, a few ways to support your gut, liver, and kidney health include drinking plenty of water, um, don't eat anything you have an immune response to, of course, eat plenty of whole foods and vegetables, eat plenty of fiber, 
uh, typically the guideline we'll give clients is about 10 to 15 grams per thousand calories in your diet. Avoid eating things that cause excessive bloating. Don't eat past fullness. Avoid alcohol. As we talked about before, manage stress. Consider adding bone broth, L-glutamine, ginger, curcumin, and or fermented foods to your diet. And exercise three to six times per week. So from there, next we need to dive into getting your thyroid tested. So if you've been having issues that cause concern about your thyroid function, you can and probably should go to the doctor and request a thyroid panel. Now sometimes your doctor will be resistant to testing more than just TSH because a lot of them like to look at just TSH and deduce any issues from just that value. Now the problem with that is you may not have, or you may have healthy TSH levels, but have problem converting from T4 to T3, or are converting to reverse T3, which basically means T3 not bound to a protein. You may also have normal TSH levels, but have high thyroid antibodies, which indicate Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So if you want a more in-depth look, you may have to specifically request more labs. Now from there, as a side note, reverse T3 doesn't carry out the metabolic processes that T3 does. So when T4 converts to reverse T3 instead of T3, it's usually because of starvation or illness. But some experts have suggested that chronic dieting may cause an increased conversion of reverse T3 in an effort to conserve energy, making subsequent diets harder, which is exactly why nutritional periodization and not constantly dieting is such a good idea. So in conclusion, while the thyroid is an important regulator of your metabolism, some portion of its health is well within your control. A lot of it is well within your control. There are ways to support your thyroid, lessen the likelihood of issues, and optimize your health. And although some things aren't within your control can happen, there are medications to bring your thyroid into healthy function. Improving your health with lifestyle, training, and good nutrition will help regardless of if you ultimately need medication or not. But again, the thing to understand here is, a thyroid issue is far from a life sentence. It is very much like between medication and you controlling these healthy lifestyle factors we talked about, it's very much under control. And the same things that improve your body composition, gut health, organ function, digestion, and performance will support the health of your thyroid. Whole, unprocessed, nutrient-dense foods in the right proportions. Now, if you need guidance getting your diet and training dialed in to optimize your health and body composition, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with our team. And then finally, if this podcast was a bit complex, Andrea wrote a blog on this that is incredible. I have linked that up in the show notes as well. All right, team. And that is all I have for you for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.